Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 49, Deuteronomy chapters 32 through 34. Good evening. On this week's episode, Moshe's lament, filled with stirring similes and mellifluous metaphors, as they attest to the wickedness of the Jewish people and their inability to remain devoted to God. A generation crooked and twisted indeed. Moshe describes a loving God who fed his people with crops and suckled them with honey from a boulder and oil from a flinty rock, among other tasty morsels. But Moshe bemoans, quote, Yeshurun grew fat and kicked. You were fat. You were gross. You were gorged. He forsook the God that made him and treated like a fool the rock of his deliverance. And thus, we should not be surprised by the lyrically ominous punishments and tribulations, and God's mercy and subsequent vengeance against those who struck out at his people. Quote, As I live, for the ages, when I sharpen my lightning sword, my hand seizes judgment, I will return vengeance on my foes, and those who hate me, I will pay back. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, my sword of our flesh, with the blood of the slain and the captives, from the head thick with locks of the enemy. Shout for joy, O nations, over his people, for the blood of his servants he will avenge. Vengeance he will return upon his foes, effecting atonement for the soil of his people. And with that rousing blood-soaked image, Moshe concludes his ballad. And then he moves on to drop some freestyle lyrics, bless bombing each tribe with some choice benedictions. And then Moshe ascends Mount Nebo to see all the land. And then he dies. And though Yehoshua, filled with the spirit of wisdom, took up Moshe's mantle, quote, But there arose no further prophet in Israel like Moshe, whom Adonai knew face to face in all the signs and portents that Adonai sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all the strong hand and in all the great, awe-inspiring acts that Moshe did before the eyes of all Israel. And with that last verse, we conclude the Torah and proclaim, Chazak, Chazak, v'nitchazek, be strong, be strong, and we will be strengthened. So, there's a lot to talk about in this last Torah portion. Let's get to it. This portion presents the finale of the Torah. All those character arcs, those characters we loved and hated, the surprise twists, the seasons we were sure would end with a stoppage, but managed to weather issues of plotting, plausibility, and strained relationships to emerge triumphant. And now, like I said, finally, the finale. Before I talk about the end of the Torah, I wanted to consider how finales play out in other realms, other media, specifically TV. Hundreds of critics I respect will argue that we are now in a golden age of television, be it network TV or the premier cable channels like HBO or Showtime, or the upstart streaming content producers Netflix and Amazon Prime, or even those wacky DIY endeavors on YouTube. For the following taxonomy, I thank media scholar Jason Mattel. I think it's pronounced Mattel. Well, let's just say that it's pronounced Mattel. And if it's not, he can email me. 
he considered the end of the much-venerated TV series The Wire and the zealously overanalyzed Lost. Mattel quickly noted that finales in American TV are very rare. More often, TV series simply stop. The network just pulls the plug because of poor ratings or the possibility of never getting good ratings. Here's a recent example. Uh, Ford Nation. It was a talk show hosted by Toronto Mayor Rob Ford and his Tweedledum sidekick brother, Councillor Doug Ford. It premiered and was cancelled by Sun News Network on November 18th, 2013. The one-hour program apparently uh, took five hours to film and eight hours to edit. Yeesh. Uh, Or the network, instead of just letting the show run and cancel after one uh, episode, which is pretty rare, they let the series just simply wrap up. That is, the season concludes with some resolution, and it's not renewed. So many of the issues are resolved, but some are sort of left hanging. Oh well. In some cases, uh, fans take to social media and they apply pressure on the networks to bring that favorite show back. And sometimes it works, as in the case of Joss Whedon's Firefly, which found new life as the movie Serenity, or Veronica Mars, which had been canceled and kickstarted back to life. But most of the other series that are canceled die and remain dead. Mattel also talks about the conclusion where a show's producers craft a final episode knowing that it will be the end, such as in the case of the Kafkaesque and psychedelic The Prisoner, which ended after one season because the creator, Patrick McGowan, he said he only had ideas for 17 episodes. Another example is Judd Apatow's Freaks and Geeks. It was canceled two-thirds of the way through its first season, but the fans pressured the network to air three more loose-end tying episodes. But... The finale. That is, quote, a conclusion with a going away party. And Mattel writes about how, of late, show finales take a, quote, inward turn toward metafiction, meaning that the final moments of the show reflect on the fact that they are the final moments of the show. The best example of this comes to us from Bob Newhart in the 1990 finale to the eight season long series Newhart, which boomeranged back into his previous TV incarnation of Dr. Bob Hartley. Newhart's character from the Bob Newhart show, which ran for six seasons in the mid-1970s. He suddenly sits up in bed and says, <coughs> Honey, wake up. You you won't believe the dream I just had. <laughs> but don't you want to hear about it? Except that his wife, who turns on the light and rolls over to speak with him, is not Joanna from Newhart, but the dark-haired Emily Hartley's wife from the Bob Newhart show. Another example comes from Arrested Development. The season three finale ended with Cousin Maybe pitching her family's story as a TV series to Ron Howard, the actual show's narrator and producer. He rejects the pitch, but suggests that it might make a good movie. I'll put up links to some legendary finales at the next Jew and at the show page on Facebook. So, with this taxonomy in place, I turn to the final portion of Deuteronomy and the Torah and ask, what kind of ending is this? We have all the indicators that Moshe is priming us for a big finale, a conclusion with a going-away party that includes blessings and goodbyes. I think I'll miss you most of all. The last time anyone blessed the tribes in this fashion was Yaakov when he blessed his children before he died. In that instance, the blessings were personal and individual, and some of the blessings weren't really blessings at all. As I said in episode 14, way back when, three of the blessings are in fact sharp jibes, and others are somewhat satiric. But now, the individuals named in Yaakov's day have grown into tribes, full-fledged tribes. How does one bless a tribe in a way 
that's meaningful and yet not anodyne or saccharine or overly generalized. This, I would imagine, is probably the same challenge facing speakers at graduation ceremonies. Moshe's words include a somewhat pleasant mix of prophecy and peroration, with some curious word choices and omissions that once again point to a later author with a penchant for backdating. Because if you look at some of the blessings, they make no sense at all in the desert context. Reuven seems to be in distress, their tribal numbers dwindling to dangerous lows. Did something happen to them on the eastern bank of the Jordan that no one's talking about? Yehuda seems to have a vexatious foe. Who? Desert fleas? Shimon isn't mentioned at all. Did they get misplaced or fall in between the couch cushions? And the tribe of Dan, whose tribal lot is supposed to be valuable beachfront properties, suddenly located by Moshe in the Bashan, which is in the north. Where each tribe merits perhaps a verse or two, Yosef, that is the tribes of Ephraim and Menashe, get four whole verses filled with unmitigated superlatives. They are doing great. Ultimately, Moshe presents a vision of the future, where the tribes dwell together in their tribal allotments, with God as their king and the Levites as their religious leaders. Quote, Oh, your happiness, Israel, who is like you, a people delivered by Adonai, your helping shield, who is your majestic sword. Your enemies shall come cringing to you, and you on their backs you will tread. This is a happy moment, filled with smiles with tears. Like the end of Six Feet Under, where accompanied by Sia's Breathe Me, we part from each of the series' protagonists one by one in a dreamy montage of the aging and death of Keith, Ruth, David, Federico, Brenda, and finally Claire in 2085. Here, too, Moshe parts from the people with his worthy heir installed in his place, even though, quote, there arose no further prophet in Israel like Moshe. Yehoshua will assume the mantle and finish the job that Moshe started. Which means that this is not a finale at all, but a wrap-up. Moshe, the man who led the people for four of five books of the Torah, is now dead, but we are primed and ready for what comes next. The invasion of the land of Canaan, the dispossession of the indigenous peoples, and the establishment of a Jewish polity in the land promised to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. As always, you can leave a comment, question, or comment at the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash tanafcast, T-A-N-A-K-H-C-A-S-T, or at thenextjew.com. Or leave a comment, question, or comment at the iTunes store, or at Stitcher Smart Radio, or at SoundCloud. And while you're at it, why not leave a review? That way, other folks who are looking for a little Tanakh learning might discover this humble podcast and join in the fun. You're invited to come back and join us next week-ish for episode 50, the launching of a new-ish Tanakh cast, with the first book of the prophets, the book of Joshua, chapters 1 through 3. Y'all come back now, here.